high expectations. We're talking about graphic novels because I should start off by this is a three-part podcast series in which we all talk about stuff that we're kind of obsessed with. It's a little bit in the style of what we talk about when we talk about, but a lot less charismatic. At least from my end. <laughs> we don't know that yet. It may be way more charismatic. It could be. <sighs> anyway, I'm here to talk about graphic novels. I was late today. I was very late. It's quarter to four, and I was meant to be here in the morning, but I wasn't. And it's for a variety of factors. One of them being that I wanted to finish a graphic novel. <laughs> my third of the weekend. And it's actually becoming quite a problem. And two of them that I read this weekend were young adult ones. One was called Smile and one was called Sisters. And this is what I think I really like about graphic novels, especially ones that are written by women. I don't want to stereotype, but women are often quite autobiographical and personal in their work. I've probably talked about that in the past. And especially mm-hmm. in comics, and I think that's why I really like them as a medium. And also, I like queer content, and I like reading about different backgrounds and races. I think that graphic novels is a great platform for that, and I don't know why, but it really attracts kind of more progressive and outgoing subjects. Okay. Then I feel like writers are predominantly white, often men. I mean, not always. It's a changing world. I mean, most New Zealand authors are actually women, but... That's beside the point. You know, if you think about great novelists from forever, they're white, they're male, and they're writing about some town in America or they're writing about London, pretty much. That's in English literature anyway. But graphic novels, it's so varied. Like, there's two different types. There's comics, which I'm not really into. Like, the whole Marvel, you know, Batman, Superman stuff. I'm really not into it because I don't even know if they're Marvel. Like, are they? What's Marvels? That's Spider-Man, isn't it? And then there's the other one. I think Marvel, Spider-Man, and Iron Man. So what's Deadpool? Marvel. I think Deadpool is Marvel. Anyway. It doesn't really matter, does it? Does it matter? <laughs> well, there's two, like, Batman and Superman are a different brand from Marvel. All of that stuff is kind of, the superhero stuff is kind of beyond my realm of what I understand about graphic novels. And that being said, also anime is a little bit beyond my realm of what I understand. I would like to branch okay. more into anime, but I'm not really there yet. I have I have in the past read some of it. So you're talking anime books or anime films or both? Yeah, manga, sorry. So manga is the comics and anime is the movies or the TV shows. That's the okay. distinction, actually. Manga and anime, I'm pretty sure. Because you want me to watch for an upcoming episode an anime movie? Yes. I'm into anime movies, but I don't really tend to read Japanese manga comics. Do you know. like, with graphic novels, yes. having the characters and scenes shown to you instead of reading a traditional novel and having to imagine what people look like or kind of visualise scenes yourself? No, that's not actually why I like graphic novels. Do you feel like that's that's what takes away a little bit for graphic novels? Because I know you're not a big fan of reading graphic novels. And is that because you like to be able to imagine it for yourself? I guess so. I, mean, I wasn't asking, is that why you like them? But that's, do you appreciate... Do I appreciate that? ...having that given to you? Like, I sometimes I read books for a film when I've seen, like, a trailer for a film. Yeah. And I read the book. Yeah. Which kind of infects your brain with that's what this character looks yes. like. Yes. Yes, absolutely. It's read... almost hard to deviate from that. I even try and it's hard. When I read Perks of Being a Wallflower, the only character that I knew for sure who was who in the movie was the Emma Watson character. 
So when I read the book, whatever her name is, was Emma Watson in my head. I was thinking you were going to say, all I could see was bad eyebrows. In terms of the other movie, the main character has really weird eyebrows. But I only had previously seen the poster for the film. Oh, yeah. So I wasn't sure which of the two guys was who. Oh, yeah. So I only knew that Emma Watson was the main girl. Yep. Actually, we're deviating a lot from graphic novels. Here's something that's interesting. It's relevant, because graphic novels always get turned into movies. One of the most famous names is Blue is the Warmest Colour. Okay. Yeah, that's the graphic novel. I don't think people know the graphic novel as much, but I highly recommend it. Very different from the film. I thought you were going to say Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. Well, that's probably the most famous one, yes. Why didn't I say that first? Because I wanted to talk about queer comics. And that's got some queerness in it, but not as much as okay. a book that's a comic that's actually about queers. It's just about queers. High expectations podcast bingo. Queers. <laughs> queers. <laughs> What's another really well-known one? Well, not as well-known, but Tamara Drew. That's originally a graphic novel that I've read recently. Um, Persepolis was made into a film as well. Have you heard of Persepolis? I think I know the title, but I don't know what it's about. Oh, it's really good. It's about Margie. Margie uh, I think her name's Margie Starappi. And she is Iranian. And it's about her life growing up there during the... Revolution. Oh, wow. Cool. Yeah, it's really fascinating, really good. It goes from what's relatively progressive, but a very unhappy political system, to that Islamic revolution, which completely turned everything on its head. And everyone had to completely change the way that they dressed, whether they liked it or not, which is where Margie's coming from. She starts out being quite staunch as a Muslim when she's a child. She believes she can see God. That's kind of one of the themes in the book. And then God is, like, telling her what she needs to do to be a good prophet. She believes she's the next prophet, like Muhammad. Wow. Which is kind of, you know, it's so interesting. And she was like, well, I'm, I'm a woman, but, you know, I could be Muhammad. I could be the next Muhammad. Then as she grows older, you can see her move away from that religion. And, and just daily seeing bombings and being frightened that her family are dead. And war, just growing up through all of that and how that's affected her. And then she moves to Austria at one point in the book. Not to have too many spoilers, but then you can see that contrast. Okay. And the second book, or the second half of Persepolis, is about her returning to Iran after she's been in Aus- Austria and been affected by that westernization. And then she's kind of between the two worlds. She's Her friends that are back in Iran uh, just don't understand the background that she's come from. But when, where she came from, they couldn't understand her and discriminated against her because she was... Iranian so it's and she's in this strange limbo between the two right. cultures it's so it's such a it's probably one of my favorites if not my favorite that I've read recently I plowed through that really quickly like and that's another thing this is why I really like graphic novels because you can plow through them really quickly that's another <laughs> reason why I really like them they don't take as as much investment as a book a book you have to think I'm going to be with this book for weeks if not months depending on how long it is and you really have to make decisions against that not always. Some young adult books are easy to get through. But graphic novels, you just don't have to think about, like, I'm going to be stuck with this, so I want to make it good. I describe it as a magic. Like, sometimes you have that magic moment with a book where you're like, I love this. There's no effort to reading it. But if you don't love it, even if it's good, but not magic, then it takes a huge effort to get through that book. But with graphic okay. novels, I never feel that way. There's always, almost always the magic. I almost always just don't feel like there's any effort to read it, pretty much. 
I just plow through them. It's cool. That's one reason why I really like graphic novels. And also, yeah, the art. It's not being able to have somebody visualize the characters for me as much as it is seeing how they portray the characters. All right. Yeah, and every single graphic novelist's art is slightly different. So I'll use these ones I've got for an example. So Mouse is a really well-known one as well. See, they just take on really heavy subjects as well. You don't have to be afraid, because it's more of a niche medium, like you were saying. You don't have to be afraid to tackle some really heavy subjects. And that's the gems that are found in these. They're, they're, easily, they're easily portrayed and easy to take on board, but they take on really heavy subjects in this, what would be considered a more of a low art medium. That's, that's something I really like about it. That's cool. The idea of Mouse is that it's the recollection of the author's father's life and he grew up in Poland and he went into Auschwitz eventually and so wow. very heavy yeah so world war set during world war Two, and he's Jewish and everyone in his family and his friends are all Jewish and it just talks about their experience he goes from being quite well off very privileged and respected to having to hide in a bunker or having next to no money, or having to give away all the last of his things, his precious sentimental things, to still afford to live. What's really interesting about Mouse, in comparison to other World War II books I've read, is that, say, in The Book Thief, for example, they'd taken a Jewish person kind of out of the kindness of their own heart, or because of an attachment to something in the past. Have you read The Book Thief? I've seen the film. Okay, so you know that they um, hide a Jewish man in the basement. Okay, so, and that's because the father owes him a favour, and so that's why he's there. But in Mouse, it's, there's a big emphasis on everyone was paid. Basically, because you were risking your life to store somebody who was Jewish. Sure. You were paid, and you were paid handsomely. And that's something that I never thought about before. I know it sounds silly, but actually, this interpretation is a lot more cynical. It's a lot less like the attachment to that past and the kindness of your own heart. It's not about the kindness of your own heart. It's about what you have to do to survive. And it's very real and gritty in that way, and cynical about other people. Even um, Jewish people read out other Jewish people, for example... It's difficult and hard to read. At points I did actually get very emotional because it's an artist's interpretation of it because all of the Jewish people are represented as mice and all of the Nazis are represented as cats. Oh, okay. And then they're, because they're, pre- they're preying on the Jewish people. Sure. And then it kind of makes it cartoonish, but then it almost makes it more, the horrible moments more jarring. Like the death and all of that... It just really makes you look at yourself as a person and recognise that there are horrible things that we are capable of. You know, by making them into animals as a way, as an artistic statement, it makes you, it really brings it into light rather than takes it away. Does that make sense? I know exactly what you mean. I'm, try- I'm trying to think of some other examples. Um, the only thing I can think of right now is the Watership Down. Film. Watership Down. I was, just, I was thinking like, Watership cute, Down. Cute, cute bunnies, cute bunnies, slaughtered bunnies. Yes, exactly. And then you have to really face yourself. And yeah, like that artistic stuff doesn't really stop with representing everyone as animals. Also, for the first part of it, I was like, oh, the grammar on this is terrible. And I thought, this needs a good edit. And then I realized partway through, oh, of course, he's representing the way that his father's speaking. And his father's speaking English as a second language. Oh, okay. And it it represents that down to a T, like even repeated words or the way that he says things doesn't really make sense. But that's because he wants to give it that authenticity. So it's not like cats on in memes that speak terrible English because they're cats. 
It's like this is how mice would speak English. Well, no, it's it's like how I think they are just. It's how Polish person speaking English would speak English. Yeah, is their second language, not mice, but that would make sense too. I don't know. <laughs> so if this was a novel about the same story, yes, but you were just told that the Jewish people were mice. Yes, and the That's Nazis the were cats. Yes, would you be able to visualize it? No, as it wouldn't. Well? It wouldn't work. It wouldn't work as a novel. I don't think, because the only way that we know that they're mice is because they're drawn as mice. There's nothing else to indicate they would be mice. Like, you were thinking, like, oh, they're mice, so they, when they speak English, they speak it stupidly. It's like, no, no, they, they speak English, they, they're Polish. They're not actually mice. So, for example, when they're pretending to be Polish in the, the text itself, if that's what you can call it, in the images, they, here we go, here's an example. He's wearing a pig mask because the Poles are all represented as pigs. So he pretends to be a Polish person by wearing a mask, but what he actually does in real life, or what he would have done in real life, is just tried to pass. Yes, and because his wife looks more Jewish, everybody recognises her as a Jew, so she has to hide more than he does. He can get away with passing as a Polish person and not Jewish. The animals are represented as the humans, basically. Anthropomorphize. Yes. They're wearing clothes and the and people style of the, of the time. I guess to this, the human height. It's not like a micro world with no, like tiny mice no, yeah. and cats running around. Like they're all the same kind of size. Yes. Yeah, it's not like an actual mouse. It's like they're people, but they look like mice. And the idea of that is to play on the prey between the cats and the mice and the Nazis and the Jews. It's like a really dark version of Sylvanian families. <laughs> Yes, yes, they're a lot like the Sylvanian families. Like yes, yeah. yes, it looks a lot like wind. That's great. It's a great example. It's just so interesting because of poignant is the right word. Because yeah, like look at this for example. This bit made me cry last night. Sorry, I'm just looking at a really hard bit to take. So those yeah, those are the Jewish people, and they're hung in the streets to make examples to everyone else who's Jewish, just to be afraid, literally, for being Jewish. And I know we hear about the Holocaust pretty much you know all the time but it just doesn't sink in in the way that reading this did for me like thinking about being afraid just to be your race or your or practicing your religion i mean there's parts of it that you the persecution that you don't always hear about the the day-to-day things that you would see like in the streets such as yes people hanging and yeah and it seems so alien to us now to discriminate against somebody so so superficial a reason but that was their everyday lives and it really pitted people out against each other like everybody even within Jewish communities everybody was out for themselves they had to be for survival so you might help someone out according to whether or not you were paid off or you might expose them because it would work in your favor at one point they get exposed so that to the um, the Nazis so that obviously that person can get in favour with the Nazis because they showed them, they ratted someone else out and that actually would work in their favour. Just, and it's like even just thinking about people turning against each other within their own communities for survival, that's really troubling. Anyway, I want to stop talking about mouse because it's a really hard book to take. Okay, so what else have we got? Okay, so, oh, this is one I'm reading at the moment. I don't know as much about it because I've only just started. This one's called Relish. And it starts off by talking about how do you remember things. It's also it's very autobiographical. And this one is about her memories through food. Because I think her mother's a chef and she grew up around food critic, critics and restaurant owners. And there's a lot of foodie people that live in her family and okay. that come in and out of her life. And so she is recounting her life 
through the food she eats and food memories. It's quite different from oh. other graphic novels because there's recipes in it, which okay. is very cool. It's a sound of like touching on real life. Yeah. <laughs> so this is for spice tea. This one's in colour as well. Yeah, this one's in colour. Is colour quite typical or is it black and white more common? Um, no, it's just, I think colour, I think I'd say colour is actually quite typical. Yeah, but it just depends. I think that one is in black and white for effect maybe as well. Sure. Mouse you're talking about. So yeah, that's the one I've just started. The other two I read were called... So this is what I mean by they're often quite autobiographical. The other two I read were about her teeth. The first one was actually just about her teeth and recounting the young teenage experience through the embarrassment of having braces. But more than that, she it's quite, it is quite a good story because she loses her two front teeth because she falls over and they get knocked out. She has to go through all of these surgeries. She has to get root canals. She has to get fake teeth put in. It turns out that her teeth are like slightly pushed up and they're never going to come down again. So they have to give her fake teeth. And then they have to start gradually taking out the fake teeth so that her teeth can be realigned and put together and then bonded. We can relate to this a lot because, you know, in Cat's Eye, when they heard friends start to turn against her. Sorry, that's the Cat's Eye, the book by Margaret Atwood. It's basically about a group of young yeah. Young women, and they all just bully each other, but they call each other friends. Yeah. Yeah. That's what that book, this comic book is a lot like, because her friends are just awful to her, and she says to my teeth look bad, basically, and they're like, um, yeah, they do. Or she, she'll say, oh, I look like a nerd now, and they'll say, oh, but you always looked like a nerd. And they're not really friends, and it's about her learning that those aren't your friends, those aren't the type of people you should hang out with. And that all of those, all of those experiences and her first crushes on boys surrounds around the theme of her teeth. And then the sequel's called Sisters, and that's all about her family focusing on her and her sister and the relationship they have. And that one's shorter, and it's really good as well. So Relish is by Lucy Kinsley. Kinsley, yep. I only just started this one, so I don't know what to say about it. <laughs> that's right. And Mouse is by Art Spelgerman. Another credit to in my obsession with graphic novels is that I started out my Goodreads reading goal for the year at I think it was 40 maybe 30 books but then when I started reading graphic novels I began adding them so quickly that I got to 30 books really quickly like maybe within four or five months and I thought well that's not really a good goal anymore so I've increased it to 60 so I can include all of the graphic novels I want to read this year in my goal that's that's how much I'm reading at the moment Marbles is a good one Marbles is by, her name's Ellen as well, Ellen Forney to be exact, called Marbles, Mania, Depression, Michelangelo and Me, um, and this one is about bipolar disorder. So yeah, and she, she's okay. queer as well, because her name's Ellen, the two just seem to go together. Have you noticed that? I don't know, anyway. Oh, I always think Ellen. queer Ellens. Yeah, there's a lot of queer Ellens, it's a queer name. And she talks about her experience with bipolar disorder. Yeah, like I was saying before, I think it's a, a platform to really talk about racism and culture and queerness and identity it's a very autobiographical medium and that's something I really appreciate about it and Marbles is all about bipolar disorder also known as manic depression I didn't know until I read that book that manic depression and bipolar disorder are the same thing to be diagnosed as having bipolar disorder it says in the book yeah, yeah. That they're the same thing because it's it's going between states of mania, which is when you feel kind of like too up, they say, like, and the symptoms of that being that you talk a lot and you can just keep going and going and going. You don't need to sleep and you just feel really, really great. And then that will be counteracted 
for some people with a drop and a depression and the depressions are like very 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 low to the point where you can't even leave the house or do anything and it's kind of going up and down like that and that the type of mania that manic depression or bipolar disorder that she has is the one where you have quite a few episodes a year i think you have to have maybe a couple of manic depressive episodes a year to be diagnosed as bipolar disorder and she definitely has that but she doesn't seek medication for a long time because she likes the feeling of being in the mania because she gets so much work done and she feels so great about herself you feel very bold and then she doesn't mm. care that sometimes she has to suffer from the lows of the depression are you okay mm-hmm <laughs> my ear. How did you do that? I don't know. I just like had an itchy earlobe. No, like ear hole. <laughs> something sharp poked it and it hurt and I made a face. Was it oh, your glasses? I actually didn't saw it actually. It's a mystery. I don't think so. <laughs> Sorry, no. I totally derailed you then. Oh no, that's okay. I learned a lot about bipolar disorder through that and it really helped me sympathise with what people have to go through and I guess at the other end she's like I'm much better at managing it now but it's always going to be something that affects my everyday life and that was like huh yeah that is that's any mental illness essentially it's something you have to live with you just learn how to cope with it better yeah I've known a couple of bipolar people and you get that hard situation where they have their depressive episodes and it's really hard for them to deal with and for you to deal with because you see them so low but the mania. Then when I have the mania, the mania must be hard as well. Yeah, because they can be very impulsive and do things that they regret later on. Yeah. But it's also kind of an odd situation where they will be telling you, "I'm too happy." Yeah. Because that's yeah, exactly think, what it feels and, like. And you kind of think, no, it's not the goal of like a depressed person to be happy, but it's odd sensation for someone to say, "I'm too happy. I want to be less happy." Yes. I yes, I can relate because sometimes. You know, you get too excited or too worked up. Yeah. It must be kind of like that, but more. (laughs) And I think the book's quite relatable for anyone that has mental illness because you have to go through so much trial and error when it comes to medication, especially if you have bipolar disorder, because you're on quite hard drugs like lithium. Lithium's the classic drug that's used to help bipolar disorder. But when she was on it, it was just really not good for her. And she also talks about the side effects of everything as well. It's only one person's experience, but she just hated being on drugs to the point where she just wanted to go off them. But if she was off them, then she was back on that manic depressive cycle. And she eventually found some drugs that worked for her, but it took so much trial and error. I think she went through like four or five, it goes through it in the book, but just so many different Mm. types of drugs before she finally found a combination that worked for her. And that must be really difficult. Yeah, it's a lot of trial and error. I've never gone like down that medication route for any mental illness, but from what I hear from other people, that's really challenging. It can it can take you from being depressed to feeling nothing. And feeling nothing must be just as harsh. Or worse mm. <laughs> sometimes. At least you know, at least when you're depressed you're feeling something. Our feelings are difficult, but we all aim to feel. Anyway. So that was something we do aim to feel. We aim to feel. Do you know what I mean? Like, feeling nothing is harder than not feeling, you know, feeling really, really horrible. Because sure, that's yeah. part of the human experience. Yeah. It's hard to feel nothing. It must be very hard. Yeah. That's why I don't understand why people take drugs. After you take drugs, like, you know, amphetamines, you go through a period of not being able to feel anything or just feeling really low. And I'm like, why would you want that? Because you use that, well, that serotonin all at once. Yeah. Yeah, that's the side effect. 
don't don't do drugs. No, I don't know. But don't yeah, do drugs. Don't Stay do drugs. <laughs> Stay in school. Go to bed early and read graphic novels. I don't know if I'm making any sense. But that's a good one if you want to learn more about bipolar disorder. Fun Home's a really, really good one as well. Alison Bechdel. Do you know Alison Bechdel? You know that you must have the Bechdel test. I do. So the Bechdel test, for anyone who doesn't know, is it's about films. And it's meant to be a joke, but it's gone viral. It's meant to be, like, there has to be more than one woman in the film. They have to have a conversation about something other than the men in the film. Otherwise, yeah. it doesn't pass the Bechdel test. Yeah. And so many movies don't do it. For example, Star Wars. I don't think the original Star Wars films would pass the Bechdel test. No, but I understand that The Force Awakens does. The Force Awakens worse, yes. Yeah. Which is great. Times are changing. But so many films that we love. I think Back to the Future doesn't pass it either. Which is one of my favourites. But it mustn't pass it, because I don't think there's a time... Oh, maybe. There's not many scenes in Back to the Future where two women are talking. There is the mother and the sister. They talk at one point. But I think they talk about how she can't find a boyfriend. How she can't find a boyfriend, or the the boy that's convalescing in the daughter's bedroom right now. Yes! Oh, no! Yeah, that doesn't pass the Bechdel test. Oh, that's not good. Anyway, so Alison Bechdel made a quite well-known series called Dykes to Watch Out For. Have you heard of that? No. That's like a famous comic series. It's called Dykes to Watch Out For. Yeah. Sounds fun. <laughs> I'm sure it is. I haven't actually read Dykes to Watch Out For, but I have read Fun Home. I, I'm assuming is... by Dykes to Watch Out For, they mean, like, lesbian woman, not, like, Sean, water, <laughs> water control dykes. Yes, well, Alison is um, queer. Yeah. Right. And okay. Fun Home is a lot is a lot about her experience of coming out. So it's another queer one I really like. <laughs> what I think is really interesting about it is it's about her father mainly and her relationship with her father, which was very troubled. Actually, her whole family's relationship to her father was very troubled. They lived in this beautiful old house that he spent, it was just his absolute passion. He just spent all of his time decorating the house and all of the rooms. It was just perfect and pristine and and her experience of that is just actually to the point where she just doesn't even want to think about that kind of thing and interior design because he made it his job. It wasn't his job. He was an English teacher. But decorating the house was definitely his reason to wake up in the morning. Does that make sense? Yeah, sure. But he was also closeted. So he was a closeted okay. homosexual. And that made him quite abusive and emotionally abusive and difficult to live with. And he also would have many affairs with, like, young men, and that would get him in trouble. And it's basically about that experience and growing up with somebody who's just so repressed and so unhappy because of it and taking it out on everyone else and then comparing it to her own experience growing up in a time in which she could be more open about it. But when she comes out to her parents, her mum freaks out, just hangs up the phone because she just associates different sexualities with her experience of her husband and how abusive he was towards her. And it's very good. Oh, and it's called Fun Home because when he wasn't working as an English teacher, he helped out with the family business, which was a funeral home, which they called the Fun Home. Right, okay. (laughs) The Funeral Home. The Funeral Home. (laughs) And that one's very beautifully drawn. Like I said, the house is very beautiful that they live in. And she just draws it so well and all of the characters is it was more realistic than say this one we're looking at mouse i think mouse is more stylized which can be really good as well i was talking to kathy today about linda barry who's another really good 
graphic novelist. She does... Well, I read 100 Demons. And the concept of 100 Demons is that you take out your watercolour set and you paint 100 demons from your past to kind of get them out of your system. And hers would be things like... Yeah! Dancing. When she was a kid, she used to do a lot of dancing. She's Filipino and her household was very... Had a big emphasis on dancing just for fun. And there was a lot of dancing going around on around her when she was growing up. But then she became self-conscious about her dancing because she wasn't a very good dancer. And then when she drew the demon out, she thought, I don't have to be a good dancer. Dancing's about enjoying yourself. And so she kind of let go of that demon. And so there's a hundred oh. different stories that follow a similar theme. And that one's really cool as well. Sweet. <laughs> so since, since you mentioned uh, Kathy before, we should point out that Kathy Allen is not joining us today because she's busy with the play rehearsal. Yes. We should also point out that Kathy likes a lot of the graphic novels I read, and she reads them too. I'm sure she'll have a lot of interesting she, thoughts. She'd approve. <laughs> so you said before about Dykes Watch Out for being comic books. The, the distinction between a comic book and a graphic novel, Yeah. is it just the thickness and the, the length of the story, or, or is there other characteristics? I'm, I'm more contracts. into graphic novels than I am into comics, but I when I think comics, I think more serialized, short, four-panel comics, or or a little bit longer, but they're inte- they're quite short and they're intended to link up to a bunch of different serialized comics rather than an entire novel. Or sometimes comics don't even have to relate to each other. Say Peanuts, or I'd just say that's a comic, or Calvin and Hobbes. There's no narrative that you're following of a long story. No, but. There can be, but that would be like a serialized comic. Or they come in small comic books, like the Superman or Batman comics. They come in just small comics that come out every week or every at different intervals. Whereas a graphic novel is a lot of the time a standalone, long, intensive work piece of work. So there's a big concept. It's like a novel, but in comic form. Graphic. But graphic. <laughs> Hence the graphic novel. And because of that, I think a bit more seriousness comes along with it than, say, the comic. But a lot of graphic novelists have comics as well. So Alison Bechdel has her comic. This, right. this one here, he, he has his own comic magazine that he does. What's it called? Raw. So he has comics that he does as well. But this is more of a novel because it's a novel size. I really think it, it's more to do with the ambition and the size of the work. And that's when you decide right. if it's a graphic novel or a comic. Maybe I'll just say some other, really, really briefly, some yeah. other novels I really enjoy. Graphic novel shout-outs. Okay. Oh, I really liked this one called Exit Wounds. Oh, yeah, the one that, ones I was talking about before, Smile and Sisters, is by Raina. I think James Teller. See, this is one of those things where you read it a lot, but you don't know how to spell it, say it out loud. <laughs> okay. Exit Wounds is by Rutu... Modan, and it's set in Israel, and it's about... Oh, it's really interesting. Because, again, I don't know much about life in Israel, but you can just be taken to these other places, and often people are compelled to express their cultural identity through graphic novels. I don't know what it is, or just their identity Mm -hmm. in general. It's something about the medium that really encourages people to delve deep into their identity. And I just, yeah, I found it really interesting because it talked about Israel where it's normal for bombs to go off all the time. The story surrounds a taxi driver in Israel and who doesn't have a very close relationship with his father. Somebody who is in a relationship with his father turns up and says, I think your father died. And I think he died in an explosion. And then he'll say, oh, this really well-known one. And she said, no, the lesser-known one. 
but I'm sure he was there because his scarf was there. And then they both work together to try to find out what happened to the father, and that's what this surrounds the story. But it's quite okay. dark, and it's about religion and and what it's like living in a place where violence is just an everyday thing. And it's just treated with so much less fear than the way that we do. I think that we never experience, hardly ever experience violence. Not not hardly ever. I mean, we do hear about thing, horrible things happen in New Zealand all the time, but it's a lot more quiet by comparison. Yeah. So all of these things that are happening at the moment, I think there's just so much fear that surrounds it because we think, oh, what if that happened to me? Or what if that's going to happen here? Everything's getting more violent. But in a place mm. like Israel, you get used to it. So that's an interesting one as well. Can't we talk about something more pleasant? Roz Cast is really good. It's about her relationship with her dying parents. Again, a really heavy topic, but just so necessary to read because we're all going to go through that. Yeah. Anya's Ghost is amazing. It's by Vera Brosgill. So it's about being a Russian immigrant as well. She's in a family of Russian immigrants and she finds a ghost down a hole. She doesn't like <laughs> ghost stories. There's a twist, a good twist. Oh, I read this one called Soppy recently, which was really cute. It's just about relationships, and there's all these images of them just, like, lying in bed next to each other and spooning and then turning and moving, and I don't know. It was just, like, really captured all of these little intimate, very simple but intimate moments in a relationship, and it's by Philippa Rice, and it would be a hard one to read if you're single. I'm just going to say that, because you'll be like, I love that. I won't read it then. No, it's so good, though. You'd like it. Oh, I read Nimona recently, which is about this, like, shape-shifting girl who hangs out with this, like, villain, but he's actually a good guy and it's hard to explain, but it's really cool in the anti-establishment and they have this little rebellion. I also read Diary of a Teenage Girl. It's pretty good. It's very, 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 very heavy and not what I expected. There's a lot of drug use and just, like, horrible things that go on. I think I'm done, but there's so many more I've read, and there's so many more I can recommend, and just start reading them, and then one will lead you to another, and they're great. Do you remember the first graphic novel that you read? The first graphic novel that I read? No, but I have a huge collection of peanuts at home, and I liked Calvin and Hobbes. But what really set me off this year? What was the first book I read that set me off? Arnie's Ghost! Arnie's Ghost was the first one I read this year, and I was like, that was awesome. And so then I wanted to just keep reading them and reading and reading them. And now I've read 20 or 30. <laughs> in the space of a few months. If Anya's Ghost was not a good story, yes. do you think you would have kept reading graphic novels? Or would you have been kind of put off? I don't know. That's a good question. Maybe I would. Thank God it wasn't bad, eh? Okay, cool. All right. So that was part one of Obsessions. <laughs> this is my obsession. You've got to try an Afghan because they're good. I will now have an Afghan. Have a good evening, everybody. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening. If you have any comments or questions, please send them through to highexpectationspodcast at gmail.com. Check us out on SoundCloud, iTunes, Pocket Casts, or wherever you enjoy podcasts. See our Facebook page for details at High Expectations Podcast or on Twitter at High X Podcast. We're now on Instagram at High Expectations Podcast. What I'm curious about is yeah. how many relationships broke up because of the podcast. I'm going to say hard none, but maybe some in the future. If they did, yeah, right into it. <laughs> can I just, before we start, can I just say, what is that with everybody doing stand-up at the moment? It's so kind of funny you should say that. Why is that? <laughs> <laughs> you know what?
comedians just all need to make up a funny laugh because laughter is proven to make other people laugh. And if you have a funny laugh, then everyone laughs. I should know. I kind of have a funny laugh. What if I laughed like, I was talking about <laughs> some of my coworker the other time. And she's like, it's really funny when people laugh like, Hoo-hoo! 